Welcome to the Neurodiverging Podcast. My name is Danielle Sullivan and I'm your host. Today I am so excited to welcome two occupational therapists who together with their partner have started the first interior design company that specializes in sensory informed environments. I'm so excited to welcome Robbie Levy and Ingrid Smith to the podcast. So Robbie and Ingrid are the co-founders along with a partner of Sensor Rooms. And Sensor Rooms is the first uh, company to combine interior design with occupational therapy to create truly sensory-friendly rooms. So today on the podcast, we are talking about what occupational therapists like Robbie and Ingrid do, what sensory regulation is and isn't, because we hear that word sensory a lot, and it doesn't always mean what we want it to mean. We're also talking about what our eight senses are and how they all work. I know if you're like me and you went to school in the 80s and 90s, we had five senses. Well, now there are eight. So we're going to be talking all about those. And then we'll be talking about how Robbie, Ingrid, and co-founder Lee have developed this company called Sensor Rooms, which offers sensory-friendly interior design based on, I think, Robbie and Ingrid together have over like 50 years of experience as occupational therapists. So they are well-educated, well-experienced women. I'm so excited to talk to them today and to learn so much from them. Before I introduce Robbie Levy and Ingrid Smith, I just want to thank all of my patrons on Neurodiverging for supporting this podcast. You all make this happen. I cannot appreciate, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your support. Uh, I cannot appreciate you enough is what I was going to say. And that's true too. Um, I hope you are enjoying this podcast and that you get something out of it. If you would like to become a patron, you can receive access to a whole bunch of perks that the public do not get, including access to my back catalog of recorded neurodiversity related webinars, self-help and coaching downloads, a discount to independent and group coaching services, a 15% discount to my course on Autistic Emotions Explained, and many, 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 many more perks. If you're interested and you want to become one of these amazing folks, please go ahead to patreon.com slash neurodiverging. You can pledge a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars a month to access these perks and to give me a uh, a budget for my month that I can use to then make neurodiverging better as a podcast, as a blog, and everything else. I'll also just mention, if you haven't been by the neurodiverging.com website in a while, please go check it out. We have a ton of new articles since March and April and May and ongoing. New writers on the blog, new autistic writers um, who have written some amazing stuff for us, and also some of my blog posts are there as well. Go check those out. You can also check out uh, upcoming group coaching options independent coaching options, um, and other kinds of things. We have an autistic parents peer support group that is happening monthly now and other upcoming events. Like if you want to sign up for my monthly free webinars, that is the place to go, neurodiverging.com. And thank you again to my patrons for supporting all this stuff because I couldn't, I couldn't do it without your funding. So again, if you are interested, go to patreon.com slash neurodiverging, throw a buck or five into the pot per month and, uh, help me do all this education work that I love to do so much. I really appreciate it. Without further ado, I'd like to briefly introduce Ingrid and Robbie. They will talk about themselves a little bit in the upcoming show, but 
Uh, Robbie has been a leading pediatric occupational therapist for almost four decades and has devoted her career to families with children of all abilities. She is the owner and founder of Dynamic Kids, a group of over 20 therapists, which provides services in New York. She has been a direct therapist, a practice owner, a mentor, a university professor, author, and national lecturer. Her passion and expertise in the field of sensory processing and integration, play, motor development, and parenting has led her to this new venture of sensory rooms, which we'll be talking about in just a moment. We're also talking today to Ingrid Smith, who is an occupational therapist, also with over 30 years of experience. She treats children in their homes and at schools and facilities in Westchester County, Greenwich, and Samford, Connecticut. Ingrid has special training in sensory integration, motor function in infants and children, sensory and motor feeding, hand function, and organizational skills. She supervises occupational therapy students and leads specialized groups to help children with developmental skills. Robbie and Ingrid, together with their friendly, have co-founded Sensor Rooms. So without further ado, here's our interview. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Robbie and Ingrid. It's so nice to have you here on Neurodiverging. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you. Super. Super. That's a good answer. I like that. (laughs) So you are both occupational therapists for many years, and you have a really cool new project with sensor rooms where you're working with interior designers to make sensory-friendly spaces. So I think today we're talking a lot about what does occupational therapy look like? What can we get from it? And then you're going to tell us about your project, I hope, right at the end. <laughs> so Absolutely. could we start with just, what, I don't know which order you'd like to go in, but <laughs> could you give us a little bit about yourselves and, and who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, I'm Ingrid Smith. I, uh, we live in, in New York and I've been, I've been working as a pediatric occupational therapist for over 30 years, probably 30 or something like that. I've done um, home care in um, New York and Connecticut for probably 25 to 30 years. And then I've been working um, with Robbie at Dynamic Kids in Hartsdale, New York for 14 years, about, about 14 years, I would say, as a senior therapist. <laughs> and, um, and it's really, I love the combination of being able to be in people's homes and help them with the day-to-day adjustments that they have when they're working with, when they have a child with some special needs, and then also the opportunity to use all the wonderful equipment and dynamic kids and work as a uh, as a community together and um, and have our team you know with there as well. So uh, so yeah, it's wonderful. And I'm training in in uh, sensory integration and you know, developmental treatment and um, and uh, fine motor coordination, splinting. Uh, what else do I have to mean? <laughs> feeding? Yes, I do a lot of specialized feeding. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, and I work with yeah, you know, like zero zero to five primarily, but I do see some older kids also. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm I'm big with the two year old set. <laughs> it's a cute age, isn't it? Yeah, and you can see mm, a lot of busy. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, so busy. And also, I just I just always liked how well my kids were in OT when they were toddlers, preschoolers, and up, and you could see changes so dramatically in a very short period and. So one of the reason I love it because very, they change so much yeah. in such a short period of time. They they all do, mm-hmm. you know. They all they all come out better for it. So it's <laughs> it's a great it's a great career to be it's a to great be involved age. in for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And how about you, Robbie? So I'm Robbie Levy. Um, I've been a pediatric occupational therapist for over forty years, and 
right now I'm the owner and director of Dynamic Kids, which is a multidisciplinary OTPT speech program um, in Westchester County, New York. And we see kids in the office as well as in local preschools and uh, school districts, private schools in, in our area. Um, my specialties like are like Ingrid's. I also have um, a lot of advanced training in DIR floor time, um, SI certified, uh, therapeutic listening, interactive metronome, splinting, kinesio taping, fine motor. So if you're in this field long enough, you kind of get, get to all those advanced certifications. And I also love the little ones. Um, but I, I do love the older ones as well. And uh, right now I've been seeing kids that are on, you know, slightly older than I had been for a while. That's kind of exciting too. Yeah. And so we are very busy now post pandemic, which yeah. I'm calling it post because I'm trying to be optimistic. Um, and we're seeing a lot of kids with self-regulation, co-regulation issues, sensory mm -hmm. issues um, that have expanded because of, of the situation the last two years. Yes. And then Ingrid and I started our sensor rooms. We started sensor rooms, even though we were in the planning stages, we had started, we actually launched, mm -hmm. you know, came out um, in February of, of 2020 and then COVID hit. So it was a very interesting time yeah. and we are finding that people really need to um, think about their whole environment and especially their home if they're going to be there as often as they have been mm -hmm. in the role that that plays in their regulation and their um, organizational skills and yeah. focus. So we have a lot to talk about today. Yes, so I'm, excited I'm so to be here. excited. Um, when you both reached out, I was so excited because I, uh, listeners know, I love occupational therapy. It is like my favorite thing to recommend to everybody for better or worse. Um, and I think I there's should. so much value. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I think there's so much value in that kind of work. So I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you. So could we, um, there were a couple things that I think maybe listeners could use definitions for, if you don't mind. Um, the one is, could you like, I know this is, you could write papers and books and books about this, but could you like kind of briefly tell us what occupational therapy does or is for, or like a little bit about what it is, which I know is hard. And then we want to talk about regulation, right? And emotional and co-regulation strategies, which you mentioned. Could we talk about what regulation means? I think that people tend to overuse the word self-regulation. So in our field, we work with much younger students and clients. So we really are often starting out in the co-regulation period, right? So one of the things that you need for co-regulation is you need a warm and responsive interaction or environment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of parenting blogs out there and parenting strategies and things like that. And some of them lately I've noticed have gotten a little harsh mm -hmm. with 
how they respond or talk about what you should do with kids in terms of picking them up. Mm -hmm. And there's one group now that says you shouldn't sing. That is the opposite of what we do in occupational therapy. Um, we are very responsive and help parents to be very responsive mm -hmm. to their babies um, from the get-go because each child has to be understood in what their neurology is and what their responses are and what helps to soothe them. So we're providing a supportive coaching and modeling experience for them. So if it's not intuitive to the parent or caregiver on what to do, you know, we can help provide that. Mm -hmm. So you might have one kid where they're gonna soothe with sucking. Mm -hmm. So that provides the tactile and the proprioceptive input into the mouth and the jaw. But another child might self-soothe with gentle rocking mm -hmm. and light holding. So that or would be, music, yeah, yeah, all sorts of different kinds of things. So really that beautiful period when you first come home from birthing your child, whether it's a hospital, or home and those first few weeks is really to get to know your child and what their temperament is, mm -hmm. what their sensory step is. To know that there's no right or wrong with that. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. So if you if you have multiple children, you know that they're different. They're very right? Different. <laughs> You're the same person, but your kids mm -hmm. come out differently and we have to respond to them that way. So we also help families to read the cues, right? So we wanna look at our kids and we wanna say, okay, are they getting under aroused? What can we do to increase their arousal? Mm -hmm. Are they getting overwhelmed? And what could we do before there's a meltdown mm -hmm. to get um, them back into a more regulated state, but they're not doing it independently because they don't have the ability yet. Yeah. And also, also how they're responding to you. Yes. What are they doing when they are responding? How are they responding? Everybody's different in how they, they react to other people in their lives. Mm -hmm. So that's what we that's what we try to do. We try to really look as occupational therapists differently than maybe some other professions mm -hmm. that might be looking at behavior as an end product. We're looking at what causes a child to act a certain way. Mm -hmm. What are they trying to tell us? Yeah, because the they're not speaking to us. So they're telling us through their bodies, mm -hmm. like what they need, what they don't need, that they need some time to just decompress. Do they need some time to be stimulated? And what system is best to do that in? But the underlying piece for those early months and really years is that they need to feel safe and in a warm and trusting environment because otherwise that input comes with baggage mm -hmm. and they can't trust that that input is is going to work for them yeah. and then could lead to some kind of trauma mm -hmm. so we want them to you know really feel safe and comfortable so they can be in a co-regulated situation. Thank you so much, Robbie. <laughs> yeah, and then when they're older, Ingrid's gonna tell you about more regulation. Well, I mean, we have to keep in mind that there are kids that start out that 
are not able to be in that type of situation with their family, either due to medical conditions mm. or feeding conditions or something that, that makes their early first few days or weeks very difficult. Yeah. And that everything that they're not exposed to may necessarily be comfortable. It may not always be the breast and the body and the mm. skin and the bottle. It's, it's often too, or, you know, loud sounds or something that's going to make it difficult for obviously life-saving yes but but also dysregulating mm -hmm. for them so they sort of have to start back at the beginning and we have to look at that carefully when we're working with a child is what how did everything start Mm -hmm. where you know what was going on at the very beginning and you know sometimes there is a, a significant history sometimes not but it's it's always important to keep that in mind when we're working with kids and helping them regulate yeah thank you okay and um, Robbie, you mentioned proprioception, and I know some folks might not be familiar with that, but we have eight senses, and right. I, I think, right, you're, you're going to help us, <laughs> help us understand what are our eight senses and, and what they do, right? Okay, so I think that most people think there's five, because, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about our five senses, our five senses, and the teachers in a classroom and also most people in the world tend to use vision and hearing, mm-hmm. so visual and auditory. And that's how most kids are taught mm-hmm. in school, right? Through their visual Sometimes system. touch. Sometimes, Sometimes touch. The little ones, but, yeah. Yeah, the little ones, if they go to the right preschool <laughs> or have the right family situation. But, you know, like they're not little adults, so they need to use all their senses. Mm-hmm. They need to use all eight. And so... The newest one that's out there, the eighth one, because there had been seven for a very, very long time, Mm -hmm. is called interoception. And that's the feedback you get internally from your organs. Um, You know, when someone says, I feel my heart racing, Mm -hmm. that's interoception. Hunger. Hunger. I feel that hunger. Or going to the bathroom. I feel that I have to go to the bathroom or not go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Most of our interoception, we're not supposed to pay much attention to because if we paid attention to the blood rushing through our veins and arteries and all that kind of stuff and our neurons moving around, we really wouldn't be able to pay attention to anything else, (laughs) right? But you want to have a little bit of good interoception in terms of you know, not holding your bladder until it's too late. Mm -hmm. We see a lot of that with our kids. Mm -hmm. Or every time they feel something they feel like they have to go to the bathroom that's not great either Mm -hmm. so we want it to be a a, like you know like the right amount of of responsiveness in the tearoception Mm -hmm. but the other two that OTs work with a lot that you know we don't think about all the time are proprioception and vestibular Mm -hmm. so vestibular is your movement system and how that plays into your learning Um, is really important for your motor systems, but it's also important in terms of your relationship to space and gravity. Mm -hmm. So that like plays a role in all your early spatial development when you're a little kid and crawling around and going over and under, um, how you feel about being off the ground. Is it scary to you? It's not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So we work with a lot of kids where that's a scary thing for them. And so they don't want to be picked up. So let's say, you know, grandma and grandpa come over and they pick you up and throw you up in the air. If your vestibular system's off, that could be really, really upsetting to you. 
and you could get very dysregulated. And when people don't understand that, they misinterpret it in in a way that it's not meant to be like, oh, the, the child yeah. doesn't like me or why is your child misbehaving? Mm -hmm. We hear a lot of parent shaming, yeah. you know, for those yeah. kinds of things. And these poor kids, how how difficult is your life when you can't even trust gravity? Yeah. You know, this is a huge thing and we they don't even, the kids don't realize it, the families don't realize it, but if it affects every move you make and everything you do, and you're not doing it sufficiently yeah. or in a regulated way, and nobody can understand why you're, you're having trouble, um, you know, that's, it's really hard it for everybody involved. A lot of stress. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of my family's experience and my own experience. It's just um, with having uh, different, <laughs> different senses or not getting that intervention early enough. And then uh, having people not understand why it's hard. So I have a lot of empathy for kids going through that. Yeah. 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 I think under, I'll tell you about proprioception in one second, but yeah. I think having <laughs> outside people, you know, during COVID, we didn't see a lot of people, mm -hmm. so we didn't have to explain a lot of things to our extended families and our extended friends groups. But hopefully now we're getting back into that. And that's going to be like really important for your, mm -hmm. for you to understand as the caregiver, what your child's can, you know, where they are on the continuum with yeah. the sensory system. So then you can explain it. Mm -hmm. But if no one knows that, then you really can't, right? <laughs> so when people come to us, a lot of times, you know, OTs used to be known as the handwriting mm -hmm. ladies. Yes. Now that was, <laughs> that's what we were called, right? Let's send them to the handwriting ladies. But the area that we really specialize in is that, you know, sensory behavioral and motor development mm -hmm. and how all those things kind of tie in together to make us who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's really, it's really interesting stuff. I um, didn't know about interoception until I was an adult and I have, uh, I don't know how you'd frame it in OT language, but I don't get hunger cues very well and I don't get thirst cues very well. And so I guess I'm under responsive to a lot of those things right, yeah. and it caused so much trouble <laughs> as a young adult, mm -hmm. just because I didn't, now I know, so I have timers set up and things to remind me to eat or drink or go to the bathroom or whatever. But when I was younger, I didn't have any of those methods set up and I didn't understand why basic things like remembering to drink water were so difficult for me <laughs> compared to other people. And so just being aware that these senses exist, I feel like can make a huge difference. And they're not the only ones. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's because it's, yeah. um, you know, like you said, the five, the traditional five senses like vision, everybody sort of understands what information you're supposed to get from that sense and how you're supposed to right. use it. But the the kind of newer, quote unquote, three that are, are not taught in kindergarten, um, I think there's still a lot of misunderstanding or poor understanding that they even exist. So then how are you supposed to know how to use them properly? So I right. just think it's so interesting. So I really appreciate you coming on and explaining this for us. Yeah. So what did we miss? And then the, mm -hmm. We missed proprioception. Uh, the proprioception is how um, is has to do with getting input into your joints mm -hmm. of your body and um, getting increased sensory input can help make you much calmer. Mm -hmm. um, having uh, heavy work and hard things to do, difficult things to do can be actually very calming for kids. Yes. So often we will do a, a, um, a movement activity and then we'll follow by a heavy deep pressure activity. Mm -hmm where you have, you, we have people that think that they 
that if a kid is running around all over the place that they need to be moving more and moving more, but that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. They could be running around because they're super disorganized and yeah. they're not getting the right input and knowing where their body is by by getting that heavy work into their joints mm -hmm. or having having some type of heaviness or pressure put on them. So it's sort of like, you know, it's like getting a big hug, yeah. you know, a big hug is really comforting and it makes you feel safer and having that type of work in a more functional, movable situation can help kids a lot with feeling more grounded and um, help with their attention and get them from a place of overstimulation to uh, regulation. Yeah. So. Thank you. And the other interesting thing about sensory is even if you aren't a sensory kid, mm -hmm. you know, or a sensory, you know, having sensory issues, sensory techniques, which is part of why we started sensor rooms, can help you anyway. Yeah. So the sensory isn't just for people who are over or under registered, mm -hmm. but it's also for everyone because no one's static. Yes. So even, <laughs> you know, we don't like stay in one spot on a continuum. Mm -hmm. We're always going up and down. So, you know, I always think of the example of, you know, someone cutting you off on the highway, yeah. right? And if you're in a more regulated state at that moment, you're going to react one way. But if you got into the car and you were upset about something or you hadn't slept well or you're not feeling well and you're not as regulated as you could be and then somebody cuts you off on the road, mm -hmm. you can have an outrageous response, yeah. right? And I think that we forget how important understanding where we are um, throughout the day can be helpful in managing our focus, mm -hmm. our attention, our behavior, our reactions. Um, yeah. yeah, even our thinking. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important. That's, you know, and then, you know, the, the flip side is that OT is just so much fun. That <laughs> even just bringing like, my kids. just so much fun. I was always just well, like, you know, I, I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, even adults also have their own form of sensory regulation that mm -hmm. we don't even realize we're doing. I mean, even in, you know, in a, a classroom or a board meeting or something, people are straightening out paper clips, they're flicking rubber bands, mm -hmm. they're doodling. If they're starting to fall asleep, they may start drinking ice water or chewing gum. Mm -hmm. The temperature of the room affects their learning style the style of the person who's talking can, can affect how they're regulating. Mm -hmm. If the person's speaking fast, it may, you know, wake them up. And if they're low in droning, mm -hmm. it can, you know, cause them to sort of get a little, you know, uh, distracted. Yeah. So um, everybody is doing it all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, also we've doing it in sense. It was like, what, what can we do to make that uh, more productive for everybody? Yeah. Uh, how can we make right. this work? Because we're all doing it. We're all, we all have our, our own sensitive beak. We're all sensitive beings mm -hmm. and we need to um, figure out what's the best environment for us. Yeah. I work with late diagnosed autistics and ADHD years mostly. So people who are, got to adulthood um, without getting identified. And a lot of us have sensory differences um, and have, until it's pointed out to us that the way we respond to say auditory stimuli or um, tactile input is different um a right. lot of us just think like we don't even think about it i think that we're so used to thinking oh your senses just perceive information 
And we don't think about what happens after that in our brain in terms of like how we regulate ourselves or co-regulate with other people. Um, but I had, I used to have massive meltdowns just because I would get not like emotionally overwhelmed and other things were going on, but a lot of it was sensory overwhelmed, just getting, having it be too noisy and, and getting overwhelmed from that and not being able to filter through that or being required by work or by housekeeping or children to touch stuff that made me like, ah, and then not <laughs> knowing how to deescalate that feeling um, before it kind of went into overwhelm. And so I just, um, I think even though it might seem obvious that we're all sensory beings, it, it was something I really hadn't thought of until I got my identify yeah, mm -hmm. identification, excuse me, um, because it just seemed like something that should run itself, like your body should just do it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, actually, right. I have to think about this quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And I, it definitely bringing it back to your to yourself, mm -hmm. I think, makes it really better, made easier for to understand that the children that we're, you know, that we're working with or that you may know in your lives mm -hmm. or your own children when you when you see how it affects yourself. At the office, we have a, a large, you know, therapy gym, a large treatment room. Mm -hmm. and. Last year, we decided to put up a whole bunch of glow-in-the-dark stars. And with, a lot of times when the kids are overwhelmed for a couple minutes, at the end of our time in there, we'll dim the lights, mm -hmm. set them in a nice, safe place, and have them just look at the stars. Mm -hmm. And the room is quiet, and they're counting them, and they're looking. We have two moons, so we're looking at the moons. And I tell you, I love it <laughs> as much as the kids love it yeah. because I've had a very long day and things are really busy and just those like two minutes to just take a deep breath and wind down and just look at the stars. It's just so healing yeah. and so refreshing to do. Yeah. That sounds beautiful. Right. <laughs> right. It is great. And also the sensory, um, we don't talk as much about being under responsive. We talk a lot about being over responsive. Yeah. So I think it's, we don't think about it as much because when people talk about being overstimulated, it's usually that they're over responsive, but you can be overstimulated when you're under responsive mm -hmm. in a sensory system as well. So that's sort of an interesting point that we forget. And we also forget about how, you know, different manifestations in people don't always come from an emotional place mm -hmm. or a behavioral place. A lot of times, they, at least from our point of view, they come from a sensory base. So you can see a child who looks really tired a lot and lethargic, and you're brought in to consult. And sometimes, obviously, you have to rule out anything biological yeah. or physiological, you know, that there's something wrong with them medically. But sometimes, not always, sometimes they're really under-responsive and it manifests itself as decreased arousal mm -hmm. and sort of this sort of um, low affect, lethargic, tired looking person. And sometimes with just the right sensory input, mm -hmm. um, they kind of perk up, yeah. you know, sometimes for short periods of time. And sometimes if you give them the right sensory lifestyle, we're not big on sensory diet. We call it a sensory lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, if you give somebody the right sensory lifestyle throughout the week, not just in OT, mm -hmm. you can see like some really big changes mm -hmm. in people, like really big. So, you know, 
we really believe in what we do and, and we have amazing outcomes in our kids. And so we wanted to bring that into that sensor rooms project, yeah. you know, that we did. So it's exciting. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a little bit? So it's, well, explain it to me. It's, okay. <laughs> we talked about it a little right, so, bit. Yeah. So, I'll say how it came, how it came to yes. be. Um, Beautiful. Robbie and I have talked about doing a project together for a long time, and we've actually come up with some physical things that we eventually want to put out. Mm -hmm. um, but we've talked about just doing like a number of, of different things at apps and and there's so many cool ideas in the world. There's yeah. so many different ways we can go. Yeah, and then and then our our co-founder um, Lee Fled Smith is an interior designer, and mm -hmm. I've known her for a long, long time, probably almost probably 20 years or so almost. Yeah. And um, she and I have been talking about doing something together as well. And um, we just kind of, but we got it together and for I forget how the idea, idea originally came to us, but the three of us got together and and realized that nobody is, is doing this and nobody understand, people don't understand how impactful this can be in life mm -hmm. to have, have somebody who is a, a professional OT who can give, help meet all the sensory needs and a designer who can help meet all the aesthetic needs yeah. uh, work together. Where the, as, far as, we, as far as we've researched, we're the only team doing that. And um, we can provide them what we use, like a lot of questionnaires with them, mm -hmm. interviews, uh, to, and you know things that we provided ourselves. And have you know consultations and then we also can provide a a full gamut of you know purchasing products and redoing an entire space as, mm -hmm. as an interior designer would um working with lee also and um yeah and so we're the we're so far the only ones that have done that we've yeah. we we have done um office space we have done uh children's bedrooms play places and we're now branching out into um day treatment facility oh wonderful so uh, and we've actually we've actually done two two day treatment facilities right. yeah. so two so it's looking at what a whole group would benefit from mm -hmm. sensory wise and and was, you know, we had, had said before you could you can get ot's that can put up a whole bunch of equipment in a room and say okay this is your your space mm -hmm. and then it ends up looking like a therapy room <laughs> or you can have an uh, interior designer who puts in a lot of textured fabric and muted colors and says here this is our sensory friendly space yeah. where we are looking at all aspects of all eight aspects of your sensory system mm -hmm. and how it's going to help you meet the goals that you're trying to meet in your day whether it be trying to get to sleep at night or trying to get your child to sleep trying to get you to focus in your classroom trying to get a number of people to to work together mm -hmm. cooperatively without having any breaks or meltdowns or, you know, having as few as possible. Especially with the pandemic, we've, we've noticed a lot of people advertising services that are very different from ours. But mm -hmm. sensory is such a buzzword now yeah. that you see a lot of interior designers saying that they're doing sensory friendly places, but they have no OT on staff. Yeah. And then you see a lot of OTs, you know, developing or at least offering to develop spaces, but they're not living spaces. They're more developing rooms that are like treatment rooms, yeah. whether you live in an apartment and it's your living room or you live in a house and it's your basement, doesn't matter. But they're, we're looking at living spaces and doing things that are aesthetically pleasing 
throughout your senses to sort of maintain your regulation and also to meet the goals of that room. So when, when Ingrid said about sleeping, we did this one bedroom where the child couldn't fall asleep mm-hmm. at night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were, there were legitimate reasons. Yeah. But by designing the room in a certain way, using the family's aesthetics, you know, like some people like mid-century yeah. and some people like... <laughs> farm and the little girls she wanted right. purple and pink and you know they were in the one of it included like carving out a little literally an attic space within the room where we had a lot of cozy things in there mm-hmm. for her um things to look at and things to touch and things to play with that was a little bit closed off from the rest of her room so when she did become overwhelmed and uh, became you know dysregulated she had a space to go into yeah. within her own room also includes um you know what specifically we bought to help with her tactile system and the lighting and the and the colors and the arrangement of the furniture and the, and the, the and the smells and oh yeah sounds you yeah, know what we used to get her to sleep at night and and uh, it's been it's been it's been really successful that That's type of thing so and and we did a nursery also yeah. right for to um yeah yeah and we took into the consideration you know what the family wanted in terms of color scheme. Now, if they pick a color scheme that doesn't meet the needs of, the kiddo. of their kiddo, <laughs> yeah. then we have to work yeah. with them to yeah. plaid and stripes and bring colors. Yeah, it doesn't always work for going to sleep. Like, it's pretty, yeah. and it's great in a playroom, but a lot of people don't realize that a baby's nursery needs to be calmer mm-hmm. for sleeping. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of the opposite um, of what people sometimes want to do to mm-hmm. decorate yeah. uh, is always what your sensory system needs to be the needs of that room. Mm-hmm. Now, when a baby gets bigger and they're playing more in their room versus just sleeping in their room, you know, then you can do something a little bit different. So we take the age, we take the developmental stage they're in. Um, we look at all the sensory systems. And if it's a shared room, we have to kind of meet the mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, of everyone like we did in the two um, uh, group spaces that we did, but also provide alternatives. And, and, you know, sometimes you need to put those noise canceling headphones on while the other person in the room wants louder music to stay yeah. regulated. So everybody, everybody needs something different. And we try as occupational therapists with a sensory background mm-hmm to you know analyze that and then make the recommendations yeah. and hopefully they follow through on that <laughs> we've also been incorporating a lot of nature a lot of plants a lot of water feature in in spaces that we're using because it, it's really very calming to people it's yes it, it, if you spend a lot of time indoors it's nice to have a little bit of the outdoors with you mm-hmm. and then we can play around with the scents and the textures and the positioning of the of um of those features in there so that's you know another great thing that we love to do yeah it sounds so nice i'm i'm i, I feel like <laughs> and sensory people... art we also do sensory art sorry oh. we, do, we do textured art and texture yeah and textured fabrics and and um yeah that, that's actually one of the things that we that we're starting to make is to is a uh, textured wall hangings and um uh quilts that are a, 
according to texture, not necessarily, well, it can be colored, it's colored too, but yeah. the texture is something that is pleasing to them and it works for young adults and older adults. So I made one for a senior citizen who has had limited vision mm -hmm. and it was, she absolutely loved it because it was something that she could engage with at you know, the level that she really needed. Yeah. And it was, um, and it was, it, you could, she could see it, you know, but not in detail, but she, but the way it felt was just, you know, wonderful. And then you can weight it or non-weight it mm -hmm. to, to give them proprioceptive, it's proprioceptive input. I love that so. idea. I am, I am very texture oriented personally and uh, spend a lot of time <laughs> kind of like, if I need to ground myself or I'm getting overwhelmed, I'm always going to like, what can I touch to make me Mm -hmm. feel more For comfortable sure. and, and safe and confident and uh it's mm -hmm. really hard sometimes to find non-ugly things that feel nice and so mm -hmm. I, right. I like that there are like you work very hard on making yeah, non-ugly things <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah yeah it's even the um ugly ot yes <laughs> i have to say that ingrid is um extraordinarily creative and <laughs> You know, she loves making things and I do. I she comes from a mother who loves to make things <laughs> and um, you know, we try to design things as much as we can, but on the other hand, there's a lot of cool things out there that we know about that maybe a lot of other people don't. So we yeah. use that expertise, you know, mm -hmm. to guide us. But you know, it is interesting because I think with sensory being so popular now there's a little overgeneralization mm -hmm. of like what people should do and what people should use. And so there's, you know, things out there and not everybody should have them. Yes. It doesn't always work for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that one size fits all. It's nice to tell people that things are out there and that's great. But, you know, we bring a much more personalized um, service to people. Mm -hmm of what works for you mm -hmm. or mainly works for you. Yeah. And also to know that maybe you have different things that work with you, depending on what state you're in um, and getting to understand that so that, you know, maybe sometimes you need smooth, but then sometimes you need textured mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah. when is that and, and how do you learn about yourself? So it's a way to grow for yourself as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's one of the, biggest um uh, things that i love about being an ot with especially with younger kids is that aha moment you have with families where you give them sort of an explanation of something mm -hmm. that they just don't understand and then some strategies on what to do about it yeah. and and they, work. And, and they work and they work <laughs> yeah. yeah and they work that was certainly our experience yeah. yeah yeah and i think that that's so um rewarding mm -hmm. which is why i think i'll never retire because <laughs> it's just such a it's like such a rewarding a thing to do yeah. um you know to provide that because a lot of times parents come in and they're overwhelmed and you know they're angry and they're frustrated and scared and scared was and, me it's like my yeah. my kid was doing things that were uh not intentionally self-harming but causing self-harm and it was just like i need i need to figure out how to make her not yeah. jump off of high things and how to not right. you know run away in parking lots and mm -hmm. yeah. yeah safety awareness is a big oh my gosh issue <laughs> for kids who have sensory issues yeah. and 
there are things that you can do to help there, you know, and they're not one size fits all. And that's why going to a skilled therapist is really critical oh, yeah. no it was nothing and i could have done by myself and then designing and that's been actually huge for my children too on our side because we do have uh the sort of how did you phrase it the therapy room <laughs> our basement has been turned into which is fine right. for us but it's got a climbing wall and there's a swing and there's you know all this stuff happening um but in the future when they're a little older it would be nice to integrate some of that into the space in a way that's more fluid and does doesn't just look like you know, a jungle gym in one room. Um, and, uh, yeah, but right, figuring right. out there, it took me so long and it's still not perfect to figure out, you know, what colors their room had to be, what kind of white noise we needed. Did they even want white noise? Do we need a fan? Is it too hot or too cold? Right. All that sort of stuff where a professional can come in and, and you have it, you have all those resources from years and years of experience and you just say oh i know yeah. right away like that's it's it's so valuable and i i can yeah and we've, uh, we've 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 created certain questions that we can choose from for for our families and the, the professionals about you know not you're not just about favorite colors but what your routine is how how are you when you wake up in the morning mm -hmm. is it difficult to go to sleep at night what do you like to eat you know just yeah. to give us like a whole picture of the person not just, you know, I like blue, you know, yeah, or yeah. I like soft things, which, you know, <laughs> great. But, but, you know, that's part of it too. But, you know, just getting a, a whole, just a general picture of, of this person so that you can help design what's going to work for them in, in different ways too. Yeah, thank you. Where can people learn more about Sensor Rooms and, and find you? Well, the, the, um, the best uh, information about what what we're all about can mm -hmm. be found on sensorrooms.com, okay. which is our website. We are also on Instagram on at sensorrooms, where we have also have some products that we sell. We have some descriptors in there and we, you know, share ideas on, uh, on Instagram. And then if you want to reach us, you can reach us at uh, sensorrooms at gmail.com. So we Wonderful. kind of corner the market on the word and <laughs> we're using it for everything. Make it, it makes it a lot easier. And on Facebook, we're also sense rooms on Facebook as well. Oh, so um, okay. you definitely, so you can, you can email us, you can reach out on Instagram. Um, you can check out our site and see what, so we do everything from um, small, from small consultations to the whole gamut of designing a full room with the, you know, vendors and everything else. We're working on one of those right now. Um, and it's, I think, reasonable for, for families to, to do the consultation, certainly as far mm -hmm. as a designer. Um, you know, price point, it's very reasonable. And you're getting the, you know, the is this expertise of, of three people that are working really well together on this. So and have been doing it for a very long time. That's wonderful. Yeah. I'll put yeah. links in links in the description, folks. So please check them out. Also, uh, Robbie is the um, head of Dynamic Kids. And it's a, it, that's the uh, the therapy facility in Hartsdale, New York. And then I also have a link to my um, to my Etsy site where I do have some of the sensory art and that's Ooh. shining on the sea. Etsy, yeah. <laughs> so I have that. And I'll be re redoing some of the, the stuff that's on Instagram. I'll be putting on Shining of the Sea. And then our part, our uh, co-founder, Lee, is um, a founder of Hudson Smith Interiors. Wonderful. And she has some great stuff. And she's doing a lot. Of, she does a lot of hands-on things as well. So she's, she's great. So. Wonderful. We're three busy women. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> it. You've got a lot going on. So I'll put all yeah. of those links in the show notes then. So great. 
come come Great, check them out. You. Thank you so much, Ingrid and Robbie, for being here. I really appreciate thank your you. expertise. Well, and, us. It was a pleasure. I thank you so much for joining us on the Neurodiverging Podcast today. I hope you found it helpful. If you did, please share this podcast with a friend who might be able to use it. Find us on YouTube and leave a like or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. It really helps other folks find the podcast. Also, please, please go check out Robbie and Ingrid's websites. They have a lot of really good information. Sense of Rooms is at senseofrooms.com, S-E-N-S-A, rooms, R-O-O-M-S.com. You can also get in touch with them on email, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, usually under Sense of Rooms. You can go to my webpage at neurodiverging.com for the full links and show notes there and transcripts. They also also have some sister sites, including Robbie's Venture, Dynamic Kids New York, Ingrid's Etsy Shop, Shining on the Sea, and their co-founder Lee's organization, Hudson Smith Interiors. All links to those are on the website as well at neurodiverging.com. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, please consider becoming a monthly patron and subscriber at patreon.com slash neurodiverging. You'll get all the behind the show perks that I mentioned before, plus access to many more exciting things, and you're helping the show continue to go forward. Um, if you are not interested in the Patreon, but you are interested in supporting this podcast financially, there's also a PayPal link. You can throw a one-time donation of five or 10 bucks my way. It really, really helps. And it goes to support everything we do here at Neurodiverging. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I'll look forward to seeing you in the next one. And please remember, we are all in this together. Goodbye. Oh, I hope we can stay in touch because it's great talking to you. Hold on, where's Miko? Come say, come say hi. <laughs> hey, we're, we're, there, Miko, come on. Now you're going to be shy. Miko, you did wonderfully. You did such a good job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>